I just pray that today as we are here, tomorrow throughout the weekend, um, that we can together pray that we don't walk away the same person that we walked in, that God would truly touch our hearts. And so before we proceed, let's just uh, go ahead and pray together. Yeah. Gracious Heavenly Father, um, thank you so much for this opportunity that you've given each one of us to be here um, physically and also um, virtually um, to be inspired to receive um, a word from you, Lord. Um, yes, we are here for credits and continuing education, but I believe that the greatest education we could receive is not one that the world can give, but the one that you give to us. And um, uh, it's not just education, but it's an invitation to co-labor with you. Um, I ask and pray, Lord, that um, as we're here today um, and just through this weekend, that it will not just be another conference that we attend, that um, we would walk away um, refreshed and renewed, but completely different. Different um, in outlook, in motives, in desires, and in motive, in yeah, in what, in the way that we approach our practice of dentistry, Lord. May we see the value of a soul, and may we work while it is day. In Jesus' name, Amen. Okay, so my objectives uh, were one to understand the power of one's journey to connect with patients at a deeper level. Secondly, to develop um, soft skills that go beyond the dental or the tooth diagnosis. Um, and the third one, uh, that for us, my, my hope is that we can identify where we stand in the stages of change in order to um, make changes um, in our pra practice um, and operate in such a way that is winsome. Um, and what I would like to do is interweave my message with um, the conference's theme of John, found in John 9. Um, I identified three different areas in the blind man's story found in John 9 that stood out to me that uh, were relevant and I would like to highlight. The first one is where in John 9 where it says that as Jesus passed by, he saw a man that was blind from birth. And then secondly, he said neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. And then the third one is where Jesus says, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Um, this, this, my, this blind man, if you notice, he was blind with a purpose. Why? So that the works of God may be revealed in him. Um, Today, you and I would stand more on Christ's shoes. As if, I don't know if you would agree, because we are the ones that are seeking to do the works of God while it is day. Um, day implying light, right? But the question that I have is, has the light dawned in our hearts? Has God's light been revealed in our hearts? Um, and this is what I refer to in my title as the restorative work. Um, when I was asked earlier um, this year to share about my journey um, here at Amen with you all, I was rather astonished and daunted. Um, at first I was surprised because I really didn't consider that I was doing anything special for the Lord. Um, I thought I was 
you know, doing business as usual in my day-to-day -day practice. Um, but then I, went, I began to wonder, um, perhaps I'm not the only one that feels the same way. And so maybe there is something to this. Um, and secondly, I was daunted because speaking in public is something that I, yeah, that scares me. But here I am, after some prayer, um, I just got this sense of boldness that came over me and I said, okay, God, if you called me to it, then you obviously have something you want me to share. And here I am. <laughs> but I must admit, part of me is like, what are you thinking? And I think this is what Moses must have felt like when he was asked to go talk before the Pharaoh. He was back and forth, back and forth. Um, and a cute story, um, as I was going back and forth with God, um, I, decide, I thought, well, I have to desensitize myself for the fear, you know, to overcome my fear of public speaking. What better to do than to ask God for opportunities? Well, just like when you ask for divine appointments, God will surely answer your prayer to speak in public. And um, here I was. Um, the next call I got was a call to stand before or go speak before this intimidating group. They're scary because they could all of a sudden burst out and crying, or they may just stare away and ignore you all altogether. Um, would you guys guess who I was, who my audience was? I was asked to teach at Crater Roll, <laughs> and it worked. <laughs> it helped me overcome my fear. I had a nice picture to show you. But um, this Crater Roll experience was really an object lesson for me um, because although I have this idea of what I would like my um, dental practice to look like and uh, to function in order to do ministry, um, there is a temptation to feel that since I'm not there yet. I'm currently working in a situation where I'm an associate. So, um, you know, I just, my, my, my thoughts of how I would want to do things uh, may not seem that, like they are happening at this moment uh, for me. Um, and at the end of the day, what God challenged me was, I can't wait until the circumstances are favorable in order to start doing something for God. And um, I, can, um, I can choose to be faithful in the little things and that I can, so that I could be faithful in the big things one day. Um, and this is where Ellen White says in Ministry of Healing, let none pass by the little opportunities look to look for larger work. It is by doing with your might what you find to do that you will develop aptitude for larger work. It is by sliding the, light, the daily opportunities by neglecting the little things right at hand that so many become fruitless and withered. A few months ago, I was... I would consider that I was in a transition phase um, in my life and in my ministry. Um, I'd call it a, a season of brainstorming, of prayer, and honestly, just stressing about it. But ultimately, um, what, what it really was that, although I was in a very, I was in a, I am in a very amazing situation. I work with amazing people, an amazing team. Um, patients are great, um, but inside, there's, there was this sense of, am I really fulfilling my purpose through dentistry? Um, again, because what I want to consider ideal is I'm not there yet. Um, 
So why do I, why am I so, why was I so discontent? Um, and it's because, to be honest with you, in my story, in my journey, I struggled to separate ministry from dentistry because um, if it wasn't for God leading me to become a dentist, um, I wouldn't be saved. Um, really, it was in my um, story and journey to dental school that the Lord took a hold of my heart. Um, and this is a little bit of what I want to share with you today, actually. Um, uh, so I, let's, let me give you a brief look into my journey. I was not raised in SDA. I grew up in a Catholic home, and I spent, I spent some extra years doing my undergraduate studies uh, due to difficult life circumstances. It was through my aunt, who was the only SDA relative that I have, that I learned about Loma Linda, and through a providential visit to Loma Linda, um, and a compassionate counsel that I received there, that I ended up moving from Florida to California just to take some classes at La Sierra. Um, but this, um, this journey um, led me to Dr. Joseph, and I just wanted to share with you a little bit of that interaction. Um, he used to have these devotionals on Friday mornings before our, our dreaded quizzes, and um, he was always so excited and emphatic about Sabbath coming. He had a little story where he told us one time, you know, Sabbath, um, I put away all of my worries, all of my concerns, even my children, you know, and he told those stories. I just put it all in a box, I hand it to Jesus, and all of Sabbath, I don't think about any of this. And then at the end of Sabbath, I take it back. It's been blessed. It's been touched by God. So usually God, you know, takes care of all my issues. And those stories left a deep impression in my heart. I, don't, I think you remember us, huh? <laughs> and um, I, start, I actually ended up challenging God and said, Lord, if... If you want me to keep the Sabbath, like he's saying, then my grades can't suffer. And actually, my grades improved um, after I challenged God like this. And um, so this was how I started keeping the Sabbath. Um, going back to the dental journey, um, at that moment I was waitlisted um, and not accepted immediately into the dental program, but I was put in a pre-dental program um, through Loma Linda and La Sierra. And many looked at it with disappointment, but um, I thought, well, at least they're giving me an opportunity. And today I can see the blessing that that year was. Um, um, this is a time where I was able to, I actually got um, into this small group um, through uh, the Advent Hope Ministry um, there at Loma Linda. And these people cared about me, these people took me in, um, they showed me what I now can see as Christ's method alone. Um, and they took me and they, take, they um, supported me and led me and studied the Bible with me through that year. Um, that next year I was finally admitted to the dental program and at the end of the quarter, I was actually suffering from the negative side effects of a medication which was threatening my, um, my my, my ability to stay in the dental program, because you see, during this high-tense year, or high-intensity first quarter, as you all know, dental school feels like you're just getting a fire hydrant of information thrown at you, and you need to kind of learn and adjust to, to that. 
Um, and, but for me, um, this really surfaced the combination of anxiety and depression, um, which did have a damper, put a damper on my, on my academics and emotionally and spiritually. Um, that um, quarter ended and it was not looking very good. Um, I went back home asking God, if, why did you bring me here to fail? I, I don't understand. Um, that Sabbath, I went to church. Um, the pastor was preaching on um, God's um, having a calling in our life. And I couldn't tell you exactly what he was preaching, but I could tell you I had a visual imagery of Christ knocking at the door of my heart. And by that time, I knew him too well to say no. And I said, I accepted, uh, he made an appeal, and I um, asked for baptism. And I had been studying the Bible, so we made preparations, and a week later, I would be able to be baptized when I was back home, which was very special because it felt like I lived two lives. I was in my Adventist life in Loma Linda and my family in, in Florida, life was different. Um, so I felt like God gave me that blessing to be able to just show them a little bit of, of what I was doing and what God was doing in my life. Um, and um, during that week after making my decision, I missed a one of the medications and that's when I realized, oh, this is what's happening. Um, I actually am having negative side effects to this medication. So I praise God because I was able to move forward in my decision with a clear mind. Um, and I um, gave my heart to the Lord and I'll never look back. Um, amen. Um, then I went back to school. Um, and, um, oh, one thing that did happen um, in, in this, before even going back to school, is that I did come to a point of surrendering. Um, I just, I haven't even told you the, the most of the story, but my journey to get to Danos Quo was uh, tumultuous. Um, so for me to, find, to actually come again to a point of surrender and saying, if this is not your will for me, then I'm okay with it, um, that, only, that took the Holy Spirit only, you know, to be working in my heart. And that's really where I went back. I went back to, to the school saying to God, if you want me to continue in this track, great. Keep me there, and if not, I'm okay. Um, but by God's grace, um, that following semester, it turns out my grades weren't as bad as I had thought or immediately thought. And um, I was just asked to, re I, was, I had to remediate one class. I stayed in touch with one of the professors, and um, I continued on. Um, through a lot of, I mean, I did continue struggling in dental school, but I think this helped me. This was this set the tone for, um, for my life. Really, it helped me to see that no matter what trials I come to, the Lord would deliver me. Um, so it was a very powerful, powerful start to my, to my career and my walk with the Lord, um, and. So this is the part, well, that first part was me uh, likening my story as me being the mission field, and um, I was that man who was blind from birth, right? And now this next part of, my of, of the testimony, it was my life after graduation, is where God put me in missionary training, um, that the works, and this is what I liken to John 9, 3, um, where 
the Bible says that the works of God should be revealed in him. Um, and life after graduation has been a roller coaster as well. Um, and what, stu what stood out to me and to share with you what, was how Ellen White says that often our plans fail, that God's plans may succeed. Um, one of the first plans that, that didn't go as I intended uh, was my plans to go abroad as a missionary. Um, as I was preparing and doing, um, preparing just physically and um, getting all, everything ready, um, I, there was still this sense of unrest in my heart. And I came across some sermons by Pavel Goya that year that he preached at GYC. And as I look back now, I think God was calling me to consecration. Um, I had enlisted as a missionary. I had um, thought, well, this is, uh, it was my idea. It was my plan. It was my way of saying, well, the Lord needs workers. I'm willing. I'm obviously qualified. I'm the dentist. And I love to travel, so it, it adds up, you know? Um, and my prayers were just like, okay, God, bless this plan. Um, and it my, my, my prayers were more like that. Bless my plans rather than what, what are your plans for my life. Um, and I could, um, that, so what I ended up doing that time is that I endeavored to pray for 20 days. And I said, okay, no one cares about my, well, no one in my life cares so much about me as my mom. So uh, my mom has no idea what I'm thinking or has no idea if, that I'm questioning I'm not even questioning. At this point, I was just praying, seeking prayer for God to confirm my plans, right? And I prayed. Um, I called my mom. I said, okay, every day at 7 o'clock for 20 days, we're going to pray together. Um, and this was special because um, really I feel like my devotional life just blossomed. God was speaking to me through spirit of prophecy, through his word. And I could um, relate to the, the story of Peter how um, he didn't lack in zeal and self-reliance, but what happened to his plans? They failed. Um, Moses, I could also relate to Moses, feeling like I had all the, all the qualifications to, to accomplish God's plans, um, but in turn, taking matters into his own hands and using force rather than divine power. Um, Ellen White says in um, Patriarchs and Prophets, that um, Moses was not prepared for his great work. He had yet to learn the same lesson of faith that Abraham and Jacob had been taught, not to, re not to rely upon human strength or wisdom, but upon the power of God for the fulfillment of his promises. Before he could govern wisely, he must be trained to obey. His own heart must be fully in harmony with God before he could teach the knowledge of his will to, the Israel, to Israel. So this realization really humbled me. Um, Revelation 3.17 really stuck out to me. Uh, it says, because you say I am rich, I've become wealthy, I've become a doctor, and I have need of nothing. Uh, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Um, I, must, I definitely can say I had an encounter with the cross and I could relate to Christ um, when he said, nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And I had to, um, and I realized, like I said earlier, God was really enlisting me um, to be consecrated. 
Um, because really this is, the, I think, a prerequisite for us to, be, to do the works of God. Um, and um, the next phase was when I moved over to uh, Central California, what I call my wilderness experience. Um, I, <laughs> I, um, I also learned what true education really was. Um, Ellen White says um, in education, page 13, true education means more than the pursuit of a certain course of study. It means more than a preparation for the life that is now. It has to do with the whole being. It is the harmonious development of the physical, the mental, and the spiritual powers. It prepares the student for the joy of service in this world and for the higher joy of wider service in the world to come. True, um, and um, so in this time I, rec I realized that I had to unlearn and relearn many things. I had to unlearn what that self-reliance that took me through for so long um, and learn to trust in God. I had to learn to put my glory to the dust and bring and um, aim for God's glory alone. Um, I had to unlearn to rely upon my strength and to start to rely on God's power. Um, and what I think when I look at the story of Moses is how I think that time in the wilderness, um, he had to go from um, learning, or he was already well-developed in IQ, and God was teaching him some EQ. Um, and it is only through relationships and contact with people um, in the world, and not only those um, that see the world as we see it. Um, for example, in Patrix and Prophet, um, Ellen White says, um, but infinite wisdom called him who was to become the leader of his people to spend 40 years in the humble work of a shepherd. The habits of caretaking, self-forgetfulness, tender solicitude for his flocks, for his flock thus developed would prepare him to become the compassionate, long-suffering shepherd of Israel. No advantage that human training or culture could bestow could be, the, could be a, subst a substitute for this experience. And I could relate to that. Um, and the next part is where I moved to Northern California. Um, I moved there planning for a future uh, with someone and what happened to those plans? They failed. The loss of a dream, a relationship, and adjusting to a new environment, what happened surfaced, a compound of emotional pain and brokenness. The, law, um, the only steady ground that I had to stand upon were the promises of God. He says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Um, I accepted because God, um, I mean, I think we can't start working on someone unless they allow us to, right? Same with the Lord. He's an even greater gentleman um, because he, he offers an invitation. It's up to us to accept. And here in John 5, 6, he asked, as he asked one day, he asked me, and that opportunity, will thou be made whole? And I said yes. And it was through the ministry of Dr. Daniel Bio. It was through many, much support. Um, God brought me to the right little niche in Northern California, first of all, um, giving me amazing support system there. And um, 
my friends. I, I did something I had never done. I started reaching out to people. I never would reach out to people. I was very, very, um, I was great at putting up a, a facade while I was suffering inside. That's what I was taught to do. And um, this time was different. I broke, I broke, I broke. But I actually started reaching out for help. And um, it was thanks to my friends, my family, and my amazing employers. Um, on top of the ministry, like I was mentioning, of Dr. Daniel Binus, um, there at Beautiful Minds in Auburn, California, that I was that the Lord used uh, to take me from a state of survival, truly, um, into a place of revival. This was a transformation that impacted me in all areas of my life. But not only that, um, I also was very impressed by the way that Dr. Binus is carrying out the mission um, in his in his um, office as a center of influence. Um, he uses an integrative. Uh, Christ-centered business model that also served as an inspiration for me in the future as to how I would like to incorporate uh, ministry into my practice. Um, and again, this is what I'm referring to in my, in my title as the restorative work. Um, and uh, we do know all things work together for good, as it says in Romans 8:28, uh, to those to them who are called according to them who love God and are called according to His purpose. Um, he, um, Ellen White says, God never leads his children otherwise than they would choose to be led if they could see the end from the beginning and discern the glory of the purpose which they are fulfilling as co-workers with him. Sometimes, um, um, yeah, we can be tempted to, 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 to struggle through disappointment, but um, that is a verse that really encouraged me. And what I realized is that as this emotional healing process was happening, it increased my capacity to serve God. Um, it's amazing to me how it has impacted my, my relationships, my approach to my patients. Um, it's as though God can make us sharper instruments in his hands when we are healing or when we are healed. Um, it says, um, again, Ministry of Healing 471, if he saw in us nothing whereby he might glorify his name, he would not spend time refining us. He does not cast worthless stones into the furnace. It is valuable ore that he refines. Um, and I think all of us can relate to that. I don't think it's just me, right? <laughs> and um, this is... Um, I think the Lord was just, yeah, bringing light into those um, darkened areas in my life. Um, and as I have been experiencing the grace of God, I just see that I'm able to impart it too. Because how can you give what you don't have? How can you share about something you don't really know? Um, I think this was all really refining, refining my why. Um, I love the word spend in Matthew 10, 8, and I consider that my why now. It says, freely have you, have you received, freely give. I can only give from where, where Christ abides in me. Um, and I had an, a nice picture here of one testimony um, that I think encapsulates um, so much of, of what has happened um, in, in my life recently um, by God's grace, and it's the testimony of um, my, w with my brother, actually. Um, as I've been 
you know, praying about, Lord, what can I do for you? What am I doing for you? God reminded me, like, you're praying, you're having Bible studies with your brother. Like Calvin mentioned earlier this morning, um, is there an, is there, if something increases my urgency for doing the Lord's work in this day is seeing the salvation of my family. If there's something that motivates me and just wakes me up is really praying for that. Um, and this has been something that, you know, I would come to conferences excited and motivated, but then I would look back and where's my family? Like, in heaven, where are they going to be? And um, by God's grace, um, I think it was this story of brokenness that really brought us together. Um, like I said, one of the people I reached out to was my family. And um, I found nothing but support. Um, him learning and me being vulnerable about the fact that I'm struggling. Because um, I also made the mistake of only making it sound like I had nothing but providential encounters with God. I was only giving them the good side. But never was I vulnerable and honest about my struggles. And um, maybe these are places where we could have connections with people, you know? Um, and um, me seeking him for support um, opened doors for us to begin to establish a relationship. Um, and um, to them, or to my family, or he, the way he said it in that day, actually, when he was comforting me, he said, well, you have something going for you. You have your faith. And it was always that way, as though they have their beliefs and I have my own beliefs here. Well, this started a conversation. We started talking uh, here and there. Um, and one of those days that we, we were talking, he, we, we were talking about the what's going on in the world this, at that moment. And I said to him, the Lord impressed me. I had some, again, holy boldness moment. I said, you know, all that's in the Bible. He's like, oh yeah, I know. I thought, what do you mean? <laughs> He's like, oh yeah, my, my coworker, we sit, we, you know, we talk about this all the time. I tell him what's going on from a political perspective and he tells me what's going, you know, what the Bible has to say. I was astonished because that was my particular prayer. Knowing that I live in the opposite end of the, the country to, from my family, I never knew how I could reach them, but I would pray, Lord, bring someone into their life. And so praise the Lord um, for that. And that also, um, the next conversation we had after much prayer, I thought, why didn't, why didn't I ask him to have Bible studies? But I worked up the courage, and again, um, the next time we talked, it was actually him contacted me, so that relieved me a little bit, knowing, hey, you know, this is, a, this is a good opportunity to ask. And I did. I said, hey, would you be interested in just doing Bible studies together? And he paused, and I I don't like, what's he going to say? He said, hmm, I'm intrigued. Yeah, let's do it. And so we, start, we got together that Sunday. And started our Bible studies and um, you know something that has been such it was so amazing I mean things amazing things happen happen every time we study the Bible but after 11 months of, of studying we finished the Bible study series I said okay so tell me how this has impacted your life what has this done for you and one of the things he said is you know now when I look at the world I have peace and I thought, wow, wow, I have so I'm withholding peace from people when I don't share. 
And um, yeah, so uh, I just um, was also reminded about Christ's method alone. Ministry of Healing, page 143 says, Christ's method alone will give true success in reaching the people. The, the Savior mingled with men as one who desired their good. He showed his sympathy for them, ministered to their needs, and won their confidence, and he bade them, follow me. Um, and this is, um, this. I realized that looking back, that I was ministered to in this way, and it was obviously effective. I realized how now, naturally, I am reaching out to people in this way, and my brother, Bible studies with my brother have turned out as a result of that. Um, so I really see something special in that. Um, and it's just a reminder, too, that as we work in conjunction with divine power and we seek opportunities, um, it turns into something that we do as a lifestyle. Minis mi missionary it's not, doesn't be, it's not just a title or something that I do when I clock in or clock out or when I go on the mission trip or, you know, um, it's something that becomes who you are. And um, that's my hope and prayer too, but I, yeah, that's what I've, I've experienced too. Um, and Ellen White talks about the importance, the importance of personal um, ministry, the personal effort. Um, it says here that there is need of coming close to the people by personal effort. If less time were given to sermonizing and some time were spent in personal, and more time, sorry, were spent in personal ministry, greater results would be seen. Also, another quote in Christ Object Lessons, the Lord desires that his word of grace shall be brought home to every soul. To a great degree, this must be accomplished by personal labor. Yes, it's self-sacrificial missionary work. Um, sometimes we may be tired, um, but I think the Lord, we, we see his blessing and how he can revive us. He could strengthen us um, to give even like, I think, um, Calvin was saying this morning, 20 Bible contacts, Bible study contacts. I, um, let's see here. And um, next, um, uh, there's another verse that I think outlined very nicely kind of um, what I've been experiencing, what I, my testimony I hope has shown you. Um, Patri Patriarchs and Prophets um, 2.48, it says, the earnestly the, they, they earnestly desire to obtain wisdom from God and to learn to work for him. What are we trying to do while it is day? We want to work for him. But God will not impart to men divine light while they are content to remain in darkness. In order to receive God's help, man must first, or one, realize his need. Two, he must apply his own mind to the great change to be wrought in himself. Has to be, we have to be changed. And he must be aroused to earnest and persevering prayer. And lastly, effort. So there is a call to, to move. Um, and now I'd like to get a little bit more practical as far as dentistry goes. Um, and this is things that I've learned on the, on the job. Um, I think my dental education did a wonderful job at equipping me uh, with the hard skills and um, its soft skills that I've had the privilege of learning on my day-to-day -day practice. And also thanks to um, 
powerful mentorship. Um, and um, let's see here. I called it chairside evangelism. And this is the, again, I talked about the, the call to personal evangelism. And I just want to reemphasize that that really starts with our own healing and our own restoration. Um, how we often need to take the position of the patient seeking restorative work from our great physician. Um, and um, let's see here. I think there's no one better to learn um, soft skills than from Christ himself. And I grant, again, when I prayed about it, he took me to Christ's method alone. And I was inspired with a soap. Uh, we all learn to diagnose with the famous SOAP um, acronym. And um, S, I would, I'm uh, associating, it, associating it with um, the first um, part of Christ's method alone, which is the Savior mingled with men as one who desires their good. So this is where, um, in connecting, we already are efficient at soaping and, you know, diagnosing and figuring out what's wrong with the tooth. We may even walk in the room and smell and already have a diagnosis. So I trust that you can do that with your, almost with your eyes closed. But what about that connection factor? So this is more of an emotional or, yeah, more of an interpersonal uh, skill-focused soap. Um, so this is where we engage patients in active listening, right? Um, the, and then between the S and the O, the, the S and the O, I put in soft skills. Um, and this is, this is the thing, is that it requires a paradigm shift. I know we're focused and we're used to working on a tooth, but we need to step away from that for a moment and recognize that we're treating a precious soul. Um, and before jumping into diagnosing the tooth, uh, we, if we could just take a few minutes to listen to, is there a heart issue here uh, beyond the dental diagnosis? You know, um, that patient with the broken front tooth, um, they, are they suffering from difficulties with their, in their social life? You know, is this impacting their self-esteem? And um, so this is a time where before we jump into um, offering our advice, we're listening. Um, we want to uh, talk to the patient at eye level. Um, I like to you know, sit down and um, speak to them eye level. And um, one other thing that has happened with this whole uh, pandemic is that now we wear masks 24 hours a day at the office. Well, before we are we already using them, right? But. Um, uh, one patient, something really horrible happened. I was part of the team of, of dentists, of doctors, well, periodontists and, and me. Um, he had a, a full mouth uh, extraction and I made a prosthesis for him. And he, he's, he was already in the healing phase. He was doing great, very happy. And that day, because I knew it was gonna be just a, a quick post-op, I walked in without a mask and he said, oh, that's what you look like, Dr. Mankata. I was so embarrassed that he had gone through, we had gone through all this together, and he didn't know what I looked like until way later. So, yeah, maybe even doing a little peekaboo, showing your face, letting them, you know, <laughs> that's what I tell them. <laughs> um, letting them see that there's a human on the other side, you know, um, they need that. 
And so we want to, um, we, we want to know what, what is it that brings them in today? Uh, I know they come in eager to talk to us about a tooth, but you know, getting to, getting to know them more. Um, getting to the root issue, really, that's what I'm getting at. Is it embarrassment? Is it pain? Is it sleeplessness? Is it fear? Is it finances? And if we can identify what that is, then that opens up an opportunity to move into the next step. And is where the O, um, I liken it to the ministering to their needs. Um, so when we're able to identify that um, emotional root cause, per se, um, we, can, we can attend to it. You know, sometimes patients do open up and, you know, putting our, our hand on their shoulder and saying, you know, it, it'll be okay. Offering a tissue, just being heard. Some people are struggling. They don't connect with people nowadays. And you might be that one person that they don't expect to connect with and you may bring a blessing um, just from hearing them and reassuring them. Um, and next is for A, or the assessment, um, uh, um, Christ subject lessons, um, or not, Christ method alone talks about um, winning their confidence. So this really has to do with what the patient then assesses, or uh, yeah, the, the patient's assessment of us. Um, many times, um, if we win their confidence, it may happen immediately, or it may happen over time. But um, I would just say, like I think it was uh, mentioned earlier, just keep record of those conversations you have had. And if it doesn't happen at that first encounter, as you bring up those, hey, how are your kids, and um, those things you probably discussed in other op op opportunities, that, that um, trust and that confidence will develop. And I think um, as we co-labor with the Holy Spirit, we move into the last phase of our SOAP, um, which um, is us bidding them follow me. And that could look like an appeal um, according to how the Holy Spirit prompts. You know, that may be an offer for a Bible study or just an offer to prayer or an invitation like like Calvin was saying, to, to eat. Uh, there are so many ways that we can um, um, be Christ um, for our patients on our day-to-day -day practice. Um, and I think, um, does anyone have any story or testimony? Um, any, any short story that maybe they can share um, about um, connecting with a patient or a testimony or something? You know, we're a little shy? Okay, no problem. Um, I wanted to share one particular one. When I was in dental school, um, I said, after attending my first Amen conference, uh, this, or my first Amen clinic, that's where I learned to pray with patients. I really didn't know how to do it um, and how to when I meet, what I mean by that is, again, it's an invitation. It's not, hey, I'm going to pray for you, right? There is, there is a way. You ask, may I pray? Is it okay if I pray? And the way you say it makes a difference. So um, I endeavored while I was in dental school that I was going to pray with every single patient or offer prayer to all my patients. And one particular patient sticks out to me because he was so excited that we started praying. Um, he would come ex just really happy every single visit that he came. I saw him a few times back to back, and he, t he shared with me, you know, Dr. Mankata, I was a, I started boxing at an early age. I used to go to church, but I stopped going to church once I entered into that world, and it's not until now in my 50s that I'm 
here with you praying that I'm praying again. So that really struck me. Um, but truly, what happened next was what I was not expecting. The next time he came in, um, he didn't show up. And that was not like him. Um, my office, my uh, patient coordinator called, and his daughter gave me the news that he had passed away unexpectedly. Um, and that really reminds me and keeps me accountable to the fact that we don't know what a difference that short invitation can make. And the fact that he expressed to me, hey, I haven't prayed. God gave me, you know, God gave me a window into his soul, into his heart. Um, and yeah, I just, now I see when I, I if I don't offer prayer, um, maybe before I was unaffected, but lately, and I think especially um, studying with my brother and just seeing um, where we are, the lives we, the, the, the times we live in today has really left a deep impression that the time really is short. Um, okay, well, um, the next thing I wanted to share was how um, Ellen White talks about the success in any uh, line demand, demands definite aim. Um, I think all of us have accomplished much because we have had uh, a definite aim and we've you know, endeavored to, to get there. Um, but um, so we, in, in order for us to make a, a change, if that's what we want to do, it, it, require for, it requires for us to make that decision, right? Um, and I wanted to just go over the different stages of change I wish I could present it to you, um, but basically, um, it's basically going from the, the stage of pre-contemplation to contemplation, preparation, action, and maintenance. Um, pre-contemplation is the phase or the stage of change where we're just not even aware of the, that we need to make a change. So that was before today. You, now you're aware something has to happen. <laughs> Contemplation happens when we are aware that change is needed and desires to make a change. So that's, I think, I liken it to conviction. And I pray that you walk away from this conference recognizing that um, in, in that stage of at least contemplation. And um, the next stage is a stage of preparation. Um, so there's an intention to take action. And this is where um, I think of it spiritually is where I start to prayerfully truly consider what, you know, how, what am I going to do? That's the stage of preparation. The next stage is the stage of taking action. And this is where we, we practice those desired behaviors. And lastly, we enter into the phase of maintenance where the, we, we sustain those new behavior or those behaviors over a period of time. Um, would you, if you remember, it was pre-contemplation, contemplation, preparation, action, and maintenance. Now, I have a question. Where do you think the relapse happens? Action? Okay. Anyone else? Sorry? Maintenance. Okay. Well, you're both right. It is between action and maintenance. That's where the relapse tend to happen. And I think um, it can be overcome by ex having enough positive experiences. 
Um, and then when we do relapse, taking those as learning opportunities, right? Um, to make it, to refine our, our, our why. Because, um, yeah, there's no failure that we can't learn from. Um, and remembering that it's tiny steps are better than none. Um, we're aiming for progress, not perfection. And um, how I've, yeah, how I've been going through some of these changes um, or some examples, um, that's, I was, that's when I wanted to really share with you about that patient from Loma Linda. Um, but it's been a working progress. I haven't, I can't say I pray with every patient. Um, I want to get there. And um, I think, yeah, as I prayerfully and um, seeking the Holy Spirit daily, um, I see those little opportunities. Just recently I had a patient um, who said he, um, he, he, oh, okay, my assistant comes in and tells me, oh, this patient has had has a little sensitivity on tooth number two, and he says that it started after his cleaning. Okay, when was his cleaning? Six months ago. I thought, and why is he coming in six months later if it started hurting after his cleaning? And so I, I must be honest, I walked in a little cynical. I'm like, hi, how are you? And um, it was an old man. <laughs> and you know, then I just, I just stopped and listened. And I said, okay, let me take a look. I looked at his tooth. There was not, he, brought, he had a little bit of recession and maybe he was sensitive when he brushed. Um, so I said, okay, let's give you a desensitizer. Um, and so tell me, how are you? How, any changes to your, to your, to your, in life or in, in your health history? And that's when he began to share with me, you know, right now, um, I, just, I just went to my heart doctor. He says I need heart surgery. And as they did some um, blood work, they found out that I might have bone cancer. So there, you know, I have the oncologist that I may want to operate, but then I need to do my heart surgery. So he was in this in between and gathering information kind of moment. And I said, okay, and he, he, he was burdened. And I realized this is why he came today. It had nothing to do with the tooth. He needed Jesus. And um, I, I then um, established a conversation with him, talked to, asked him if he had a, a support system, because he, he was older in age, and he said, no, well, my, my wife died already, and my stepson also died. So it sounded like he really was lacking that support system. Um, uh, and then he, I, I asked him about, I don't know how we got into the conversation about his accent and that he came from New Jersey and that he knew the Godfather and just he went on telling me stories about his life. But this, uh, taking that extra few minutes to talk, um, somehow got a, he mentioned that the, the, the church that shows up in the series is, was his church. So I was like, okay, that's my point of, of connection. Um, so I said, oh, earlier when you were talking, you mentioned that that was the church that you used to attend. So are you a believer? And he said, oh, yeah, yeah. I was like, okay, well, would you, would you be okay if we, if we say a prayer? I know you're going through a lot right now. And he, he stopped and stared. I thought I had offended him, but he said, the only one that I do, that I pray with is my sister. All the young people in my family, I guess he was saying that I'm young, uh, they, none of them believe in God. And I was, 
I was like, wow, this is, praise God, that, I, that he could see even in my, in my age, in my difference in, in age, he, he found a blessing, obviously, he was impressed. Um, and so we were able to pray. And anyway, that was just, I wanted to share with you an example of just taking that time, seeking for opportunities to make that connection, and meeting that need. Um, he really was blessed and thankful after we prayed. Um, and uh, yeah, my, 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 um, I just pray that you don't give up, you know. Um, the, the stages of change show us like a linear upward um, trend, but it might actually, instead of looking so linear, it may be a journey that looks like this, but eventually we continue moving to heaven, just like sanctification, right? Um, well, uh, just to wrap up here, um, I wanted to share a quote that says, while God was working in Daniel and his companions to do, uh, to will and to do of his good pleasure, they were working out their own salvation. Philippians 2.13. Therein is revealed the outworking of the divine principle of cooperation, without which no true success can be attained. Human effort avails nothing without divine power and human endeavor Divine effort is with many of no avail. Um, I also, well, as I'm wrapping up today, um, I was thinking about um, there was an obvious kind of maturation phase in my Christian experience. So, I mean, I don't think it's because I was not born in the church that I started as a baby. I think all of us start as a baby. Um, so I just want to, um, you know, us to think about where am I at? Um, where am I at in that development and um, growth place? And um, how, have, how has God, you know, worked in my life um, in order that I can impart? And um, I also thought about the disciples. Um, in, their closer, in the course of their ministry, their hearts were changed. Um, even it brought me to the point of when Christ ascend, after Christ's ascension, um, they actually were in a period of waiting for some time uh, for the Holy Spirit. And I think this is the time that was needed um, for them to undergo a paradigm, a paradigm shift. Um, they needed to change their priorities and their why needed to be refined. They needed um, a, a change of perspective. I pray that um, we also may realize that we need that, that upper room experience um, today as much as the disciples needed it more than 2,000 years ago. Um, I pray that we may humble ourselves and ask God to reveal what he would have us to do each day and to learn to plead for the Holy Spirit as the disciples did in that preparation to carry out their great commission in that upper room. And friends, time is short. Let's do this while it is day. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.